Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. You know, Dave and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We sure do. So are you over 50 and stuck in the dating game? going in circles with a never-ending source of disappointment, perhaps you've already given up hope on finding your next life partner. On today's show, we're going to get a whole new perspective on the dating challenge for people over 50. From an open-minded and spiritual platform, our guest embarked on a dating journey of self-discovery and self-love that uncovered her very own Mr. Right, and she's happy and horny ever since. Absolutely. But first, we're going to tell you about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex, but nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It is 100% waterproof and leak proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. Sure does, and so does today's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to welcome back today's special guest. Sex-positive feminist social science researcher Carolyn Lee Arnold authored the book 50 First Dates After 50, and we're going to hear all about it. We are so. Carolyn Arnold, thank you so much. Welcome back to The Sexy Lifestyle and taking time out of your busy day to be here today. It's great to be back and talk to you more. I'd love to talk to you about my book and my pro- my dating project. I know. It's actually so fascinating. Just remind everyone about yourself and your work before we get into your discussion. Okay. Um, I am um, a long-term social science researcher. That was my career. I'm retired now. Um, and I'm, I also was a workshop, a relationship workshop assistant for 10 years um, before I started this dating project. I, I, w- I found myself in my late 50s without a committed partner. And I never actually had a committed partner. All my relationships were short, one to two years. And I did have, I was breaking up with someone I'd been with for seven years, which was better than usual, but he had never committed to me. And he was going off to Bali and to be a Buddhist beach board mm-hmm. there. And I didn't want to go to Bali. So um, so I, um, I thought, how can I find a committed partner? And luckily, at that point, I had 10 years of work, um, relationship workshops on love, intimacy, and sexuality under my belt, so to speak. And I was, I, which gave me a lot of skills about relating to people that I was hopeful that would help me in relationships. And I also just had a successful relationship, just wasn't committed. So I thought, how can I make this dating more of a research? Well, research project is what I thought. I mean, I want, I want a way to find. I, I need to, to shake up my idea of what type of man I like, and I need to find. And I wanted 
try out a lot of different men. And so I just came upon the idea of doing 50 first dates. And that goal of 50 came from, the first idea was from that movie, 50 First Dates. Yeah. The woman, she went out with the same man 50 times because, because she had amnesia. Yes. But the idea for me would be, I'll go out with 50 different men. Yeah. And and then also, I'm a statistician, so I realized, well, wow, 50 is actually a number, a significant number for significant results. It's a good sample size for significant results. So putting those together, I had a goal of 50. And then because I'm a researcher, I, I had a little... Um, I can't say objective, it's not objective, but it, I just had a little distance view of it. Like, I'm going to try out different types of men. I'm not going to, like, go for it with each man. I, I'm, not, they're not, I'm not looking at them as individuals, but as types, mm-hmm. and seeing who I am most comfortable with. I was also looking, well, what type of relationship would I like? How can I balance it? I've been, I was an independent feminist my whole life, a, a lesbian for some of those years, and I wanted how what kind of a close relationship would I would work for me really because I'm pretty independent but I do want closeness um I also want sex I'm used to I was used to being sexual all my life you know how am I going to balance being sexual but also being um um, intimate and those workshops were helping me learn how to be intimate and and loving so I was hopeful so I set this goal and I started dating (laughs) and and as I went through this project um it, it worked even better than I thought. Huh. It really did because I, I had fun while I was dating. I enjoyed it. I was appreciating each man. I, everyone I was with, they didn't. I, they didn't have to be the one. I could. They could just be men I liked who I wanted to explore. So I wasn't putting a lot of weight on them. Usually, when when we get older, sometimes we every if we're really looking for the partner, each date who comes along out of the blue. They, there's so much weight on each one. Like, will he be the one? Will she be the one? And then when it doesn't work out, we can be devastated and get really discouraged from dating. Or we can be so picky about who's going to be the one and who we have a big list and, and we, we, we might not even date anyone because no one fits the list even for a first date. Right, right, right. And so, yeah. Or, or since we're older, there's this feeling of scarcity and that we're afraid that no one better will come along. We might have to settle for someone. I was trying to avoid all that, and um, because the only way to avoid it is is to to set it up so that's not affecting your psyche. Right. And for me, setting it up to have a goal, it gave me this momentum to keep kind of tripping lightly through the dates. I kept going forward, even if, and I did um, get my heart broken a few times, and I broke a few people's hearts because I did linger with people, and and because the people I thought were okay, pretty good, I wanted to give everybody a chance, but. Um, Overall, I felt like I was having a wonderful time. <laughs> and so I, and in the middle of the dating project, when I was around 30s, mid-30s somewhere in there, I was thinking, I could do this forever. I'm having such a good time. That this is my My life looks like this. I have friends. I date. I go to workshops. I go hiking. I am a songwriter. I go to song classes. I have a job. I had a full-time job then. I have a very full life, and I was loving it, and dating was just part of it, and it was, I've gotten to this rhythm, and I was feeling really happy, and so I realized, well, I think I might have hit upon something for this dating thing, because I was prepared to go on, if I hadn't found my partner before 50, which I did, I was prepared to keep going, 
Wow. And which was a good feeling. It was that feeling of being single is actually fine. And I, I do want to do a shout out to not everyone wants a partner. You don't have to have a partner right. to have yes. a whole life. Yes. And, and I just had never had one. Lots of people have had one for years and now they're ready to be independent. Mm-hmm. I was the other way around. I never had one and I was ready to be one. Now, so, I, now I know um, you were you were inspired by the movie Fifty First Dates, and then you, because you're a researcher, you came up with a project that gave you this spark for the idea of the project. But did any of your friends or coworkers think that this was a very big project to undertake? Um, I was very. I, I didn't tell a lot of people at work that I was doing this project, okay. but all of my friends were steeped in relationship, you know, workshopy skills and we were all talking about relationships all the time and so they were actually pretty inspired they loved my stories i would come back with stories from these dates that i would tell them i had a women's group i had a co-ed group i was in at the workshops which i was volunteering with we had a saturday night entertainment every weekend so i and you could do whatever you wanted so i would always read or tell a story from my dating so i had a lot of people cheering me on actually oh cool so it was um so carol um, yeah carolyn I get this dating that you did. You wanted to date 50 guys. It's very exciting. I mean, one of the reasons why we swing is for the excitement of meeting new people and having sex with new people. But why write a book? You could have gone on in your life and just dated people and had a great time. Writing a book is a lot. takes a lot of time and effort. Why, why did you decide to put it on paper? Uh, good, I, good point. Um, <laughs> Ten years later, I did not even think of writing the book until I got near the end and found my partner. Um, and as I did, my friends started saying, these are great stories. You should write them down. Mm. Beware when your friends tell you that. Well, so I said, okay, well, what harm does it I'll take a memoir class. I took a class. And I was hooked. I was hooked because I found, like, it was fun to write them down. It was very satisfying. And then I developed, and I think I had in the beginning this motivation I had so much fun dating, and around me, even in my circles of people who were um, single and who are steeped in all the same skills I had, people weren't always having fun dating. And I certainly knew women from work who were, had given up on dating yeah. right, in my in the 50s and 60s. And I felt like I had such a great time. I want to inspire other people and, and give them a view that it can be fun and how to do that. So I wanted to inspire people and also to give them hope because I think we all need hope that you can find your partner Yeah. because the statistics can be very discouraging. But even as a statistician, I, my, my goal, my, my, my um, saying is you only need one. <laughs> the statistics don't apply to each person. <laughs> you only need one and you can just go out and find them. <laughs> and I did. And so I just wanted to offer that as a hope and inspiration. Right. And I have remained that motivation kept me going for 10 years of writing this book. Wow. I, I never felt like I didn't want to do it because I felt like I owed it to people to get this story out there. So, um, and it did take 10 years because I, I was writing, I'm a social science researcher writing reports. I had to learn how to write dialogue, how to write descriptive stuff. I had to describe things I didn't really even know to describe. All right, so Carolyn, you know, it's cool. Now you, 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 you told us about these dates, but for all those over 50 single people out there who are like, um, where do I meet these people? She, went, she met 50 people to date. I can't even find one. Carolyn, tell us. I know. Tell these people out there okay. where they can meet people. Okay, I have, I have some answers to that. 
I mean, I mean, one answer I do have to acknowledge, I feel very lucky I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. There are a lot of people there and a lot of single people. And so I was choosing from that group. But I think that I, some of my techniques would work elsewhere. Um, I only had, of course, there's the online dating apps. Only eight of my dates came from online. And I was very, very picky about my online ads. I screened people heavily. I only got to, with people that I thought would match me a lot. So they weren't a big source. I did the usual things, which is um, do, do the things you love. Like I love hiking and I love going to spiritual retreats. And I met men there. I met the, we, well, the Sierra Club had a singles group, so I was going to the Sierra Singles. The spiritual retreat center had a single sangha night, so I would go there. Um, so things like that, I met about 11 people that way. Um, and then there's just the being open to wherever you are. And there's an attitude where if you're open and, and, and are friendly, um, and you can meet people. I met someone at a photography exhibit. I met someone at a real estate seminar. Several of my friends set me up with blind dates. I was just open to whoever was coming along. If I hadn't met my partner, I, my plumber was had was, had a blind date uh, like for me. <laughs> so I, um, there, it was just that being open. So that accounts for half my dates. But guess where the other half were? The other half were from all of those relationship workshops I had attended. Right. And when you think about it, what better source of is for as women for men? If you want to be in a relationship with a man, and you want to have a deep, loving, intimate relationship, what better place to find them are than men who have come to a workshop to learn about love and intimacy? I mean. That's the pool I wanted to be. Those were the types of men I wanted to be with, and vice versa, types of women. If you're a man looking for those types of women, that is such a great pool. And there are workshops like that all over. The group I was in, which is documented in my book, has uh, workshops all over the U.S. and world, and they were online. Those workshops were on. They used to be just here in you know, places, but they were online during the pandemic, and they're going to continue to be online. And I know that those workshops are all over the place, all different types. So I just really recommend, because that's another part of taking care of yourself. Yeah. Being around people, this dating thing is a long-term project. You have to build in support for yourself to feel good about yourself. And what better way to feel good about yourself than to, to go into an organization that's teaching about loving other people? I mean, yeah. some people find support from their sports, their athletics, or their religious, or their political group, and that's good if you can get the support. But if you're not getting emotional support, I know I needed more love and and reflection of my goodness in order to keep dating. Yeah, and you were and talking it, about self-love, which is what you're calling this, an act of self-love, which I agree 100% because you're taking care of yourself, self-care, self-love. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah. if you're not doing that, then you're going to get that negative aura into your dating process. And that could also add a reason why you're not happy dating is because you're putting yourself down rather than building yourself up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, exactly. That's exactly true because unfortunately, it's an inside job. Mm -hmm. What we have to we have to counteract those negative messages, which we all got growing up. Yeah. And the way to counteract it is you can sit in your house and just do affirmations, but that's I don't think that's enough. I think you need it reflected back from loving people. Yeah. In your community. Yeah. So, and and one thing yeah. I want to add is, um, you know, we are regularly going out meeting couples, um, for the swinging side, and and when we meet couples for swinging, it's about sex it's not about falling in love or having a partner but one of the things that we learned 
very, very early on in our swinging lifestyle about 15 years ago is that a lot of the couples that we meet, we want to stay friends with them. And when you have your conversations, don't try and be somebody that you're not. Just be yourself, be open, be funny. And if that person likes who you are, you have a chance of moving forward. If you're trying to be someone that you're not, they're going to see it right away. It'll eventually show up. Right, and, and you probably, the relationship would probably stay on the surface, which would not be very satisfying uh, you know, in terms of emotionally if you're trying to connect. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's a good. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's just important to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just hang on for a second and remind everyone that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're talking with Carolyn Lee Arnold, author of 50 First Dates After 50. Now let's talk about topless travel and the amazing trip that we have planned for next year. Absolutely. Topless travel is the best. And if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply must book with Topless Travel. From Hito 2 in Jamaica and Desire in Cancun to all the Bliss Cruise experiences, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Their trips and their events are all about the people, of course, and their sexy fun experiences. So let's just shout out to all the sexy host couples, including Chelsea and Mark, who are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Absolutely. And you're going to find us on many of Topless Travel's trips. But listen up. The one we're really looking forward to is their Sexy Silver Fool Takeover at Desire Pearl, October 16th to 23rd, 2022. We're going to be there broadcasting live. Rooms are selling out quickly, so book now. And just come and join us for a week. You're going to have a blast, and we'd love to meet you. Yeah, and for any more information about this trip or any other Topless Travel event, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, and click on the Topless Travel Events link to book the sexiest and most most erotic vacation ever. Absolutely. All righty, we're back with the show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. You know, we're Carolyn David, and we're chatting with author and educator Carolyn Lee Arnold. And now let's get into talking about her book, 50 First Dates After 50. Yeah, so, Carolyn, when it came to writing your book, what was it like opening up to the world and knowing that they're going to know all of your sexy details and um, all the things that happened to you personally? What that feel like? Well, what I found is there's a lot, there's a big difference between writing your book and publishing your book. And when you're writing your book, um, all of the memoir teachers um, and, and non uh, creative nonfiction teachers say, just write your story, get it down. Don't worry about who's going to see it, especially your parents or your, your relatives. Just, you just have to get your truth out there and there's plenty of time to edit it. And so that's what I did. I wrote down what my story was and what my life was like. And I wanted to actually, represent it um and so when i and then it that i did that in the first two years um of my of writing the book i got all the dates written down but they were rough i wasn't a very good writer yet i needed a lot of more classes and i needed a lot of more editing as i went on i saw that um that i that that i was you know, I, I knew I would, writing about the sex was easy because that was just part of my life. I was I was sexual. This was part of my story. I was looking for a partner who was sexual. So it was natural that I would be sexual on my dates. That would include part of it. But I could see that some of it was maybe a little too much for people. I was getting feedback in writing classes, you know, what was too explicit or too maybe not necessary and things. So I had to decide what needed to be there, what was important for the story. Um, but I, but, um, but. I ended up wanting to keep the sexuality in there for certain reasons. Um, the other, the, what was, 
what was really hard to see was that, um, so I didn't feel vulnerable. You know, it was very long stages of this. I didn't exactly feel vulnerable. It was more, well, what would, what would people want to read? It, it, it's more like that. What, what, would, what would help tell my story the best? It was a little objective. It did not hit me until really the, the book started coming out this, this summer. I mean, it came out in November, but people were reading the, the pre-drafts, the, the art, the advanced copies. And I realized how sexual my book is. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I just realized it's pretty sexual. It's also um, very new aging because of all those personal growth workshops. And I think, I don't know if we've mentioned the spiritual ceremonies. Part, that's part of my life. And, and so I realized... I'm I'm writing about a certain milieu, and do how do I feel about that? And at first, I was a little scared, and it felt vulnerable, very vulnerable to kind of put this out, especially if I thought of people like my work friends, <laughs> the, luckily I'm retired from, or um, my parents, who luckily or sadly are not with us anymore. So I, I I I had to reach in to say, why am I publishing this book? It's not it's not just the hope and inspiration anymore. And what I realized is, I went back to my early Sex, sexual days in Berkeley as a feminist, as a young feminist doing basically sex education for ourselves and in my college also. And I realized this is part of being a feminist. I also, I, yeah, this is part of being a feminist now to, to make sure that women's sexuality and now older women's sexuality is out there in the world. And so I, I've started to feel, and I do feel very proud of this, of putting it out, even though it might be a little much for some people. Uh, but I just think it's very important to have accurate sexual experiences out in the world for about women dating. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and, I just want and being yeah. an inspiration to older women, for example, who may not feel so sexy or may be afraid to express their sexiness. And but not, men too. And not yeah. yes, like, of course you're right, David. Men too. They get afraid yeah. to uh, celebrate their sexuality, the fact that we are human and we are sexual beings. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to do that because of you know yeah. social constructs that are out there. So and we've spoken so many times about the fact that just because you're aging doesn't mean you should stop having sex. Right. Yeah. Or relationships. Right. You, it, you don't need to curl up in a ball and stay at home. The world out there is right. so um, available for seniors. I mean, there's um, lifestyle trips that we go on and that the groups are specific to 65 and over, to 75 and over, yeah. and they meet uh -huh. like-minded mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right, and it's good to know that. So, so yeah, I was trying to, I figured there should be lots of women like me that this would just be validating for yeah. to see themselves Absolutely. in my yeah. yeah. Also women who don't even imagine that this is possible just to have a glimpse that it's that this kind of lifestyle is available is, is possible right yeah right right so right. so I before before we talk actually about your book why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and about how your open-minded attitude towards sex and sexuality how it was before you even started this project well yeah well that's that's actually what i was referring to um because i, I i'll backtrack a little bit sorry that um you know i'm a child of the 70s um, I came of age in college in the seventies and, and, um, my sex, and I was always feeling sexual, but I was actually a virgin until I was 20. I, I wasn't that early, but I was interested and I was at a women's college. They weren't teaching us about sex. So the women in my dorm started a sex education course, which my roommate and I inherited and, and taught or got speakers for. And then I hit Berkeley in the 70s, right at the peak or the beginning of the lesbian feminist movement. And the feminists, we were all 
um, doing self-help classes, which at that time meant vaginal um, speculums. I mean, looking at each other's vaginas to check for our cervixes and our um, STDs and, and, and infections. And so we were taking good care of ourselves. We were used to being with each other's bodies, and we were giving ourselves a good sex education. Wow. And then I became a lesbian because the lesbians were so much more interesting than the men at that point. <laughs> and and um, my body, I was happy to say, was bisexual enough to start just going over to women and being sexual with women. And that was a wonderful exploration. But I'd been sexual, I'd been sexual with men for a few years, despite my, despite my late start. But the feminists, we were also, um, I had to try to find, I didn't have an orgasm also until my something, 19 or no, 22, 20, no, 24, <laughs> because I didn't know how and I didn't know what it was. So the feminists... Um, health. I was going to help women's clinic, and they we all figured out how to have orgasms. And so it ended up being a man who opened me up to my orgasm. But I was so grateful for that. Wow. And so I was used to a lot of exploration, sexual exploration. And remember, that time was pre-AIDS and post-pill. We had the pill. We had didn't have to worry about AIDS. We did have to worry about STDs. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to be careful um, and stuff. But and but. It was a very open time to be sexual and experimenting with men and women. Wow. And I was grateful to have been part of that. Yeah. And so I, I fast forward ahead. I was I identified as a lesbian for 18 years. I did see some men in the middle of that because I was still attracted to them. And then I came out of that um, not having found the right woman and realized that I was more comfortable emotionally with men and started having sex with men again. Um, but my relationships were all really short. So I was really comfortable with the sexual. Um, I, I was a very sexual person, but I wasn't very good at intimacy. Uh, I was pretty loving, but I just wasn't didn't know how to may have a long relationship. Cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. So now about your book, Fifty First Dates After Fifty. Tell us a little bit about how it's like you have three books in one. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. That my book, you know, I really it really started out as a dating book. My book, you know, it's it's also it's a dating book with I think really great tips for people over fifty and actually of any age to date. Like, what a great idea to have a goal and to to not take each date so seriously and to really do research on what would be right for you and to have really seriously take this as a project because it's going to affect your life who you are going to end up with. So I had lots lots of tips about dating. I have ten dating tips on my website. I have ten detailed dating tips. Um, in the back end if you want to be on my blog because I get dating tips. And so I feel like I, and one of those dating tips is, of course, a lot of self-care and taking care of yourself. And my, in my case, that happened to be having lovers while I dated, but not everybody needs to do that. I, I kind of, it's like a smorgasbord of dating ideas that my dating book is, I think, that you can pick and choose what would work for you. Mm -hmm. um, but the second part of my book is that sexual part, that celebration of women's sexuality, my sexuality in the book, but as a representation of women in their 50s and older who are being, who are having sex and loving it still, and that who who whom sex who are prioritizing being sexual, and and for me I, I I don't go into it in the book too much, but it had to do with the fact that when I uh, menopause hit me at age 51, my lust just died. I, I just I could feel it draining out of my body the day I turned 51. It was so scary, and I didn't think I did. There was no reason for it. For me, but, um, you know, I went to a, 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 a workshop. Do you know Margot Anon, who wrote Sexual Ecstasy? She, that was a, ta a famous tantra teacher. She's a little older. She retired to Bali. 
um, she gave a workshop on sexual ecstasy for women over 50 that I attended. And she went around the room of 30 to 40 women and said, well, how was menopause for you? What, what, how's your libido? A third of us, it went down. A third of us went up. And a third of us, it stayed the same. So I, it's, it's just different for everybody. And it, it, there's no rhyme or reason for it because I could not have um, predicted that a mine would go down. But it was just my body. And so I decided to act as if I still like sex, which I did. I could still have orgasms. I just needed some more time to warm out. I just, I just didn't feel that lust driving me into mm-hmm. somebody's arms at a party. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you get me next to someone and you know in the right mood, I could do it. So. But but Carol, you had something very similar in your fifties, yeah, where absolutely. you hit that wall, that right. libido menopause wall, where everything just stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. We went through that as well. Yeah, you had- I, yes, absolutely. I lost my de- libido quite significantly especially we were swingers and used to having dates every weekend and parties and and I could get primed in a second and I can get out there and party with the best of them but going through menopause definitely I felt me not interested anymore and you know because we have this this show that we talk to a lot of experts all the time I've learned so much about that and how to control my the idea and the, the answer really is, like you said, taking the time to get aroused slowly but surely. It does come back while you're you know, in the mood comes back. And, um, and the interest in having sex never went away. It was like you said, that drive to initiate, which was really what went away. Well, th- for those people who missed the first show we did with Carolyn, we had Dr. Lori Batito on first and she talked about the menu. Well, she yes, no, she talked about basically that you might not feel hungry for sex, but maybe if you go into the restaurant, you know, if your husband invites you, let's go out to eat, you don't feel hungry. But, um, you know, if he says, well, I'll go with you if you want to eat. And when you get to the restaurant and he orders his steak and you think, mm, that looks really good. Maybe I'll have a little bite and mm, that tastes delicious. I think I'm going to have my own steak. And so sometimes we just need to go to the restaurant, which is like what you said. You're just we're pretending like there was nothing different. And hoping that the steak would arouse your desire for hunger the same way it would arouse yeah. your sexual appetite as well. Mm-hmm. So that was very cool. Um, advice. That, yeah, it was great advice. And we, we've heard it a lot. But I also did go on... Um, I did go on bioidentical hormone replacement, which really helped a lot. And uh, I have a much easier time now, but it's not the same as when I was in my 40s or younger. Not the same, but exactly. it still works better. Yes, and, and that's what I was saying yeah. earlier about sex having to be a little slower and longer because it does take time for Carol to get going yeah, and just get, to get the in juices the flowing. Yeah, exactly. And, and we use a lot of lube <laughs> because it helps things flu- flow. And sometimes it's for a yeah. massage and sometimes it's for a pussy massage. But it definitely, you know, guys, if you're out there, it's nothing personal against you. It's just the physiology human nature. Of, of the body. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like Carolyn was saying earlier, you have to listen to her. You, she has to listen to her body. Well, as guys, we have to listen to our partner's bodies and ask questions and move along with it. And it's not something that we're doing wrong. It's something that we need to change and adapt as we get older. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think lube is everybody's friend. I, I mean, I, I've, I've been using lube since I was 35. I mean, I just mm-hmm. always needed it. So yeah. so to me, it was just a norm. 
And I also, I find lube makes it a lot more playful. I love pouring the lube and then rubbing it in and making it feel good. And, you know, the cock always feels nicer when you're stroking it up and down and you get an instant yep. response. And I just mm-hmm. find it's a lot more playful and fun and it's lighthearted and you can just, you know, get into it that way a yeah. lot easier. And stay away from the flavored lubes. Just go with the good old... yeah stuff that stays there we use uh, pure pjur there's a lot of good ones out there but don't go with the fancy stuff use lubes where you can actually give a blowjob or eat pussy and it doesn't taste like anything Mm -hmm. yeah great great advice great advice so so uh, so that was all part of why my book is partly a sexual model i think for people or it's just trying to give people the idea that you know with I'm showing not only the sex, but also my attitude towards the sex. Yeah. I'm pretty nonchalant about it. I mean, it's it. it what, what my partner and I like to say is, we don't have a big charge on sex. It's it can be fun. It can be very spiritual and meaningful, especially with each other, and and with someone that is close to you. But you can also just have fun with it. And I yeah. think I I illustrate both of those really well as a model for sex. And there were some of the scenes, uh, explicit scenes. I kept in, and some of them I toned down, and some of them I took out if they didn't push the story forward, move the story forward. So, so do you talk about we all were, of the dates that you went on? No, um, thanks for asking, because people might be afraid of that. I only focus on about twenty-five of the dates. Okay. Um, there, and in detail, I go into them and how I was feeling and what happened, and sometimes they, they last for a few dates. I mention every date so you know that I actually went on fifty and what happened. <laughs> with but sometimes it's just a sentence. Mm-hmm. Very um, cool. So. Very cool. Of course, we so, don't want to give away too much information because we want everybody to buy your book and read your book right. and get right. all of that nice sexual ad- advice and maybe get sexually charged while you're reading the book just the same. Yeah, there's some good sex scenes in there. The, the other thing that it also is is this glimpse into kind of a new agey personal growth workshop, spiritual ceremony kind of world. And that happens to be my milieu. And I, I don't think everybody has that. And I didn't even know it was my milieu when I started writing this book. <laughs> I was saying, I'm just going to write a fun dating story. And then I was, so I was writing the fact that I was like little anecdote. My first memoir class, I wrote this great date out, which it was a date. I met someone at one of these spiritual ceremonies that was also a sexual open party. It could be sexual if you wanted. And he and I connected and and he, we he didn't want to we didn't want to touch we were kissing but we didn't want to go any farther although we could have it was a norm at that party we could have gone further and he said no i want to protect getting to know you i want i want to know you so much i want i like you so much that i want to protect this and let's get to know each other more slowly and i was so touched by that and i was writing about that feeling about oh here's someone i meet who's mad he's great and he, i think he looks seems great he, he respects me and blah 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 and so i'm 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 reading this to the class so we were at the sex party and he said blah, blah, and they go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> time <Sex> out <laughs> and and so i realized oh no i'm gonna have to explain all this and i wasn't ready for that i wasn't planning on having to be the chronicler of my of my culture my yeah. little subculture that i knew. yeah but i had to do that you'll, you'll you'll see how i did it i mean i had i and then i ended up having fun with it there's some spiritual ceremonies in there and, um some some sexual encounters i had that were fun to write about once i i gave myself permission to do it <laughs> and and, and actually gradually uh, agreed that i had to do it i couldn't just like throw that out there i had to 
explain something. No, and of course, everyone's curious. So they're going to, you know, they'd want to know the details of how that happens and, and why that happens. Yeah. And how did you get yourself into it? And and I'm sure right. it's a fun thing that, you know, as people are aging and trying these date things that they say, well, this these are possibilities. And people like to have that hope and the idea of a possibility that this could happen to them yeah. as well. Yeah. And I mean, and I also I start with the very first workshop I went to is in the book. So it, I start with, and it's a very easygoing, basically looking for the goodness in each person kind of a workshop. And so I have the whole range of t- types of alternative activities that I did. So I think people get a pretty good glimpse. No, excellent. Now, uh, this whole, uh, I mean, this journey, I think you were saying, took place in about two and a half years that you went to all these 50 dates. But which aspect of your journey did you ensure, enjoy sharing the most? Well, well, hmm. You know, it all kind of, as a book, it, it, it kind of, as I said, my goal was to share the dating. I, I just wanted to, to share my fun and my attitude about that I'd had so much fun. And this must really work, this dating method. Everyone should try this, I was thinking. So I, I write them all down, and then, of course, I had to read it. So I read it, and then I found, wait a minute, this does not sound fun. This person got rejected a lot and I, she was sad a lot and as one of my editors said you do a lot of crying <laughs> and, and so well, crying was one of my ways to take care of myself but I thought oh my god this doesn't look so fun and so why did I perceive it as fun when I went through it and when it, it when you read it it might not seem that way so I had to really work at expressing how I was feeling in the book and shape it so that you can get the feeling of the fun, but also how it was also the hard to go through 50 dates and how I got, as I said, got my heart broken a few times and did cry. I took out some of the crying scenes, <laughs> just a little much. I tried to balance it with the up scenes since I had plenty of magical, yeah. Yeah. magical experiences. So I balanced the ones I focused on. I tried to balance that. I, I can only so, imagine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah very good. So, wow, what another great segment. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carolyn David, and we're having an amazing discussion with author and educator Carolyn Lee Arnold. Coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. So stay right there. We'll be right back. So are you interested in vaginal rejuvenation and sexual health? It's a topic that we want to talk about more because how we look and how we feel make a huge difference in the way we live sexy. The company Lumisk has developed an easy treatment system for vaginal rejuvenation. It's a product that you can use on yourself and at home. It's a carboxy gel called CO2 Lift V. You simply mix together two packets of gel and apply it to your vulva and inside your vagina before bedtime and then rinse it out in the morning. The gel infuses CO2 into the skin to encourage blood flow It promotes healing and cell regeneration, and the great thing is that there's no discomfort or downtime. This CO2 Lift V treatment keeps your vaginal tissue healthy and happy. It increases lubrication and sensation and makes sex more fun at any age. After you finish the initial course of weekly treatments, you can easily maintain your results with applications once a month. Also, it's a sure way to snap back after a long night of great sex. For more information, visit CO2Lift.com, buy yours today, and get a 15% discount if you use promo code SEXYLIFE at checkout. That's S-E-X-Y-L-I-F-E. 
Great sex starts now. And remember, if you're looking for an online open-minded community to meet compatible people in your area, you should go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. So check it out. Alrighty, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. Okay, so you know that this part of our show is where we like to get down and dirty with our guests. I can't wait. I can't wait. And as we know already, Carolyn Lee Arnold has been open talking about her sexual experiences that she wrote about. But we haven't heard any details yet. You want a couple few details. I love the details. Absolutely. Now, we heard a lot about your growing up and your Berkeley time and and being a lesbian. But tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about how you grew up in your family. Was it an open-minded family that you had... uh, No, it was not. My my parents were New Englanders, conservative New Englanders, living in California, and uh, they were trying everything they could do to keep me away from the drugs and sex in California high schools, to the extent that they sent me back east to a boarding school Mm -hmm. to get away from that. And and my mother took away one of the the first book I tried to read about sex called Boys and Girls Together. I think it was a novel. She took it away from me. And kind of shamed me. So they were pretty uptight, and they didn't know what to do. And I was the oldest, and they didn't know how to raise a, a new teenager, you know, a teenager in those that era, and how to be positive about sex. So, um, no, all of my education about sex was self self taught. And luckily, I was at a girls' boarding school, and then a women's college. So we had a lot of time to talk about these things, and we kind of trained each other, I think. But I think I had a natural curiosity about this. I, I think I did. I mean, I went to a nude beach the first time during college. Um, I, I made myself go to a nude beach by myself because I wanted that experience. So now, I, I think I just had that. I was lusty. I was thinking I was a little lusty. And what did your parents think when you uh, announced that you were a lesbian? Oh, that was it. That they, they first, my, my father had the best great reaction. He said, wow, you are really at the cutting edge. Wow. You really got who oh. I was. Uh-huh. You really got what it was culturally. Uh-huh. But then they both retreated into a, some religious backlash mm. against uh, it. Now of course. Wrong, right, not Christian. So they were uncomfortable with it, but they were also very gracious um, I never brought any lovers home. Once I had a, a friend from college that I just brought her home. Um, she stopped by on the way home from Thanksgiving. She came in and they assumed we were lovers and they gave her the tour of the house, mm. the, the Carolyn tour of the house. They they showed her all my paintings. They showed her all my this. They were so sweet to her. I, I just was so touched. I think they were trying to make her feel comfortable, me feel comfortable. So they had, they, they did some progress. They were trying. Nice. They really were trying. I tried to talk to them and, and they were they were not hostile. They just didn't really weren't comfortable with it, and I knew it. Right. Um, and then, to, to their credit, and then to my mother's credit, when I started seeing men again, and actually brought a man home for Thanksgiving, first of all, they gave him the whole house tour of all my paintings and all my stuff like that. But they never said, "I told you so." Mm-hmm. They never, they never, nice, nice. they never said that. So my mother had originally, said, "You can't be a lesbian; you're too feminine." But because she didn't understand about the right. lesbians, right? <laughs> right. So, so I, I want I want to get into those eighteen years that you were a lesbian. Now, yeah. um, w- were you the one that put on the strap on, or was it your partner, or did you guys share? You know, those were the androgynous years. I have to say, those were the really we were try- we were all having very equal relationships. There weren't that. I don't remember strap ons appearing until way later, mm-hmm. and I was on my way out. I think. Um, 
we were all just being equally touching each other. Maybe that's why the relationships didn't work because there wasn't a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> it was we were all a little too much the same. At least, um, I, I was I was very feminine, and but I was putting on a very androgynous air, so I attracted women who were more feminine, who I wasn't attracted to as mm. much. That gave me a charge. Tr- tr- I needed someone more. Ma- more masculine, right. more butch. I really was. Um, towards the end, I found a very butch woman who I was so attracted to. We had such great sex, but she was co- trying to control me. Otherwise, she wanted me to be her wife. She wanted me to shop at her house for her house instead of with my communal house, which I was my that was my center. And so I, it wasn't working. Somehow the energy wasn't working. But so, um, so, so sex there. So sexually speaking, what makes great sex between lesbians? Well, I think the same thing that makes great sex between women and men is it, it's having that, the, um, in a way, thoughts make feelings like, like feeling like for you know me that I'm being really taken. I like I, I love being taken over and having to surrender. And and this woman did that for me. Not many of the other women did. And some of my male friends, my male lovers, have done that for me. Um, and and so that feeling of just being. Um, I mean, I go in and out of phases with this, but I've been more submissive at times than others. Now I'm more back to being a little bit more equal, but, you know, so I kind of like that. And as, and as you were but, going through your sexual journey, did you self-pleasure? Did you masturbate? Was that part of your sexual um, experiences? Oh, yeah. back, in Berkeley, back in Berkeley, we learned don't stop masturbating no matter what. Mm. We We taught that to ourselves. And so... Um, my my good friend has always been my vibrator. Um, I um, I once I started having orgasms, I found out how I could have them, and and I forget when I forgot my first vibrator actually because I was always just masturbating. But but um, I ended up um, just really relying on a vibrator and still do yeah. really. Mm-hmm. And I know and I knew at the time if I if I'm going to rely on a vibrator, I might lose that ability to do it without a vibrator. But it's okay because I really like the vibrators. <laughs> exactly. Right now, now when you came out of your 18 years as a lesbian and you decided, okay, you know, I want cock again. How did it feel that first time you put a hard, warm cock into your pussy? It was. It was uh, like it was wonderful. I, it, it was delightful. I felt like a teenager without the constraints. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I wasn't quite in menopause. I was trying to think if I was in menopause. No, I wasn't in menopause yet. So I still had to worry about birth control. But I just felt so free and I felt so um, so welcoming. I, I, I just, all I wanted was cock, really. I mean, I, in my mouth, in my pussy. I mean, it was, it was it, I had a very fun time. I was very sexual with a lot of men, which and, didn't lead to many deep relationships, but I had a great time. And what was the trigger that switched you back to men? What was that? Well, it was that it, I, I think identify, and I'm actually writing my second memoir about those 18 years and how I went into it and when it came out. And I, I really identify um, a few things: the woman who was too controlling. Okay. You know, it, the sex was the energy was so good, but I, I, I'm too much of an independent woman to be controlled in my daily life. Um, that was true. And then I had one other, a few other um, um, dates that didn't work out. I just got discouraged and. And then I had a real estate agent who was a lesbian who was trying to sell me a house, and I was so attracted to her. And I was thinking I was going to buy this 
apartment just because I liked her. <laughs> and then I finally came to my senses because then I realized she didn't want to be with me. She only wanted to be with me if I bought that, this uh. apartment. So I was discouraged <laughs> by this whole thing. So, so, and then the, the other thing that happened to me is I had been working in kind of small well, I've been to grad school, I've been in research offices, and I started working at a community college, which is, has a lot of people at it and a lot of uh, instructors, many of whom are in their 40s, mm -hmm. um, male and female. And I realized, that's when I realized that men had really changed. Mm -hmm. In the 20 years I've been away from them, they'd become more softer, they'd become more humble, they'd become more feminist. They'd gone through the feminist wars with their wives or ex-wives, and they were, and more, they were just more, and they were more interesting. Yeah, much more interesting. Yeah, I can. And see so it. I realized, wow, <laughs> this is a whole new world. So it was it was a combination of those things, and, and my attraction coming back to some of those men. So I, I, and, um, I that's I mean I get that I can I can't imagine a life now without a cock in my hand in my mouth all the time too. <laughs> Two <laughs> or three cock, of them sometimes. I'm touching my, someone's cock every chance I but, get. So I do get uh -huh. that. But I was, I just want to say that Carolyn is an absolute beauty. Uh, she's super sexy, and she's 70 years old, and no one would ever guess, meeting nope. you, that you were 70 years old. But I, I do want to ask you, what is sex like, or what is, the, what is it different? She's actually 70 years young. Yes, there you go, seven years young. So how is yeah. sex different now than it was at age 50? Well... At 50, I had not even gone through menopause yet, so I was still very lusty and stuff. And then there was the period where I was mourning my lust going, but I was still being sexual um, with a different men. And then my dating project was certainly very exciting because of the um, because of all the men. <laughs> and um, and I, and I have to say, actually, I'm not sure. I think my lust it kind of came back a little bit. You know, there's something to be said for new partners, right? Yes, you know, for sure. The excitement, the excitement, yeah. yeah. But, but what it is right now is just really comfortable. I, I mean, comfortable, not just laissez-faire comfortable, but comfortable is I feel like I can be with my partner. I can be with other people. I, I just feel comfortable in touching other people and being sexual with other people. And so, so you have an open um, relationship, more so to speak? We have. Well, we um, we kind of, we don't actually like labels. Right. But what, so what we have is... A non, it's non-monogamous. We are so we are so committed to each other emotionally, mm -hmm. um, and and um, and physically and everything. But we, we what, what we like to say is we have people like dinners with each other and we snack on sex with our friends. Oh, love there you it. go. Yeah, love it, love it. Love it. So, yeah. so we we it's open and that most of the time we are with with each other when we're being sexual with other people. If it's a few a few of our chosen friends, we have a wonderful little community of chosen people um, who are this combination of all the things we are, either spiritual or um, personal growth oriented, or lots of communication, lots of honesty, and lots of open-heartedness. And so we have little subsets of people that we get together with, and our friends get together. And then we, even if we're not being sexual with certain friends, we are we're open about the fact that we are sexual with other people. So mm -hmm. it's a very open, accepting, community and so i i it's just this feeling of relaxation um nice very nice and, and comfort and i can feeling, see yeah yeah we did go on the bliss cruise yeah. in um 2018 nice. um right after i retired i wanted that was my gift to to my partner for his I think it was his birthday. And well, we were, there, we were there too, yeah. so we probably um, Somehow did not you. see you amongst <laughs> the 4,000 other people on the Blizzard. Yeah. Right. We, 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 we had a lot of fun with the people we, we speed dated. 
and that, oh, yeah. and that we met great oh, people. Speed yeah. So, so that was, um, I mean, that was a little, that was out of our comfort zone, mine maybe, because I'm not getting used to meeting the strangers, but we met some really sweet people who we actually saw again. Nice. Um, so, so we do various things. So I did want to <laughs> ask you that, you know, you went through this um, journey and uh, your project and you found out your type and you ended up finding Mr. Right by dating different types. So when you snack yeah. outside of your committed marriage <laughs> or committed relationship, do you still go for that same type or do you like to expand and go with different type when you're snacking? Great question. Oh, well, um, I, now I don't think of it as types anymore. Now I just think of it as you know, people in my milieu who are, I'm comfortable with. Now, now the criteria is not as much who's going to be my partner and do they have to meet all this criteria is, are they sexy? Um, are they safe? Are they, are they intelligent? Are they um, careful? You know, now we have so many health concerns. You know, we haven't been with anyone for two years right yeah. now. Yeah. So, so, um, so we have not, we have safe COVID discussions. Now we have safe sex discussions yeah. now to do. Um, and and so it's more a feeling of um, wanting to be with people who respect themselves as much as we respect ourselves. That makes a lot of sense. Other. That makes a lot of so sense. So, types of people. Are what would you say would be your most memorable sexual experience that you had during your dating journey? Well, I have four in the book, <laughs> and I debated whether to tell you any because I wanted everyone to be surprised. But I think I am going to tell you one about this one because it's, it's pretty memorable and it's 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 a great one um i had met someone at a tantra um, workshop which was a very sexual workshop we had actually been sexual at the workshop and and he was um um and we were both driving home we had to go home and he actually had a partner he was allowed to play at a workshop but not on not at home and so we were we were talking on the phone, and I was kind of sad because I was thinking he'd be one of my lovers in this dating journey. I thought he would be great for it because we had connected so well. And I said, uh, so, but I found out he was with someone. And I said, so how long does the workshop, you know, does the workshop include right after the workshop? He said, yeah. So we had sex right after the workshop. And then, <laughs> so we were driving home talking on our cell phones. I said, does the workshop extend here? He said, Yes. <laughs> Yes, he's making so, up the rules. Yeah, we were driving through the the vineyards of Napa, and it was dark there. There were no lights, and so I pulled over at a at a vineyard, at the side of a vineyard, um, and it was a road, but it was late on a Sunday night. No one else was going by. We both pulled up, and um, I was expecting a romantic kissing under the star, beautiful starry night under a November October night. So I raised up to, to kiss him. And he took his cock out oh. of his pants. And I said, and at first I was shocked. And then I, then I realized my, I, my, my yoni was moistening. I was, I was, you know, interested. Yeah. <laughs> this is, was exciting. And so I said, hmm, if you have a condom for that, I'll suck it. Nice. And he did. Uh -huh. And I did. <laughs> and it was one of the most exciting things I'd ever done because I had my jeans on. So I was kneeling in front of him, he was standing, I was kneeling with his cock in my mouth, looking up at the stars. And I and I just felt and he was kind of almost a stranger really, but and so it was but it was so exciting. Yeah. Because he wanted it, I wanted it, and I felt like the stars were kind of blinking in approval. Oh, I just very, felt like very cool. it felt all right at that moment and and not something you'd expect someone who was like that point. 
Well, 58. Yeah. And, yeah. De- and definitely memorable. I get that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So we are coming to the end of our show, sadly, the hour has just flown right by, but we do like to leave our audience with a little bit of advice. Um, Carolyn, what would you say would be the top two things that people over 50 will learn from your book? Okay, well, one is, um, if they're looking for a partner, don't give up, keep, keep looking, it is a numbers game, and you have to just keep looking, and you have to take good care of yourself during the looking. So, um, so, so that, so enjoy, so it, part of that is keep looking, take good care of yourself and enjoy the journey and really focus on enjoying the journey and, and creating the life that you want. And then my other advice is I want them to believe that they can create the type of sexual and, and, and emotional relationship that they want. There's a whole infinite variety of types of relationships for people. Like we don't live together. That works for us. Other people might want some other arrangement. And, you know, we have a little bit of an open relationship. Other people might not want an open relationship. But the point is, you can find someone who matches what you want. And, and, and I just hope they use my book as a guide, not to do what I did, but a, a way to approach dating. Mm-hmm. You know, approach it like you can find out what you want and, and find it. Great very, advice. Very, very, Great cool. advice. Well, yeah. Carolyn Lee Arnold, thank you so much for sharing all that great information. Um, you know, if, for those of you who missed it, Carolyn was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Go listen to that. We heard a little bit about her and her journey of sex uh, as after 50. Um, Carolyn, why don't you just tell everybody once again how they can find your book and your website? Well, my book is available wherever books are sold. and But you can find it if you go to my website, which is carolynleearnold.com. Carolyn with an L-Y-N and L-E-E, Arnold.com. There's a page on where to buy, including Amazon, but also independent bookstores, which we want to support these days because they're the ones supporting diverse books like this and and um, sexually explicit books. And so it's good to support them. Um, and you can also find out, you can also see interviews like this on my website. And you can also see my um, the, the links for my Facebook author page and my Instagram page, which both give you up to date on what, how my book is doing, what's it, what I'm doing, and what is happening. Wow. And, and what things to celebrate about my book. It's Beautiful. starting to get awards, for instance. Yay. Nice. Good. Nice. Great, great, great. Nice. Beautiful. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you just can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all of their information. And you can even contact them there if you have any questions about their work. Absolutely. And As we did this week, we're learning more and more from all our expert guests. We hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you know you can always send us an email at ask at carolindavid.com. All righty. The end of another great show with another amazing guest, Carolyn Lee Arnold. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, well, thank you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm in bliss here. Thinking it, this was a great show. It's great to talk to you too. Thanks for making this forum available. And you as well. We're talking about these things. I'm so open. Yeah, and encouraging people to be sexy. Yeah, for sure. We try our best. We've been there four years, and uh, so far, so good. And, of course, um, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all our listeners out there. And we thank you week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time.
Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. <laughs>